Wow. I just so honoured. And you can be seated. I know I just saw Pastor Naomi um, take one of her grandbabies, but, you know, the day that I uh, met Rick, I truly thought that we were incompatible because he wore a fluorescent purple sh- hat that had his name on it and he had the peak flipped up like white men can't jump (laughs) and I thought man this guy is not a youth pastor but let me tell you we end up doing a lot of miles together he ended up being my best man at my wedding and I can truly say that Pastor Naomi and Pastor Rick are heroes to us to my wife and um, truly you guys if you don't know this already you guys are just absolutely blessed to have these guys as your pastors. Why don't we thank these guys, hey? Just love you, man. Um, I've got a beautiful family that I want to thank as well because they're up in Darwin. It's about 4,000 kilometers away. So I've got a beautiful wife. I think there might be a photo on the screen there. Yeah, and uh, it's my beautiful wife, Nicole. It's my daughter, Hannah, Chloe, and Isaac. These guys just couldn't do it without them, right? (laughs) But I'm so thankful for that. But there's one person I want to thank more, and that's Jesus. You know, even uh, if you didn't know this, I lived a bit of my life in this region. I lived in Agnes Banks, McGrath's Hill. I went to Windsor High, Richmond High. Anyone go to those schools? I did, um, I think maybe the enemy was trying to remind me of a bit of my notorious old life before I met Jesus. And I'm just so thankful for Jesus. Hey, I'm trying to work out what it was. And now I think it is, I went to Hobartville Primary. And any school that has a unicorn as their logo, (laughs) Rick tells me it's a Pegasus, but I'm like, look, it's a unicorn, let me tell you. (laughs) But honestly, I don't know if everyone in this room knows Jesus, but he turns notorious lives into beautiful lives. And that's what he did to me when I was about 14. And I found Jesus. Who else here has found Jesus and just wants to give him a huge, I love you, hey? I love you, Jesus. I don't know everyone in this room, so I don't know if you're able to put up your hand. If you aren't able to do that, I want to encourage you. Jesus wants to know you. And the brother here leading worship says, come as you are. In fact, if you had to get your life right before you could meet Jesus, none of us would be in this room. And so that's the Jesus I love and I serve. And for these next few moments, I hope this message would encourage you. I saw the theme that you'd lift up your eyes and see something. Because if there was one sentence that I'd love you to walk out of tonight, and that is that God's got a part for you to play. Whether you're young or old, whether you're cool or not, whether you think you're cool or not. I'm 40 now, so I'm in that try-hard category where you think you're cool. (laughs) And then I've got my 11-year-old daughter saying, Dad, that is not cool anymore. And they use emojis and emojis. I mean, we think it's weird, but the Egyptians were talking in emojis like thousands of years ago. So they think they invented it. They didn't, all right? Everything's old. But, you know, if there's one thing when you walk out of tonight that you'd go, you know what, Lord, I want to be used as well. If you would lift up your eyes, every one of you could walk out of you saying, there's a part for me to play. I think I didn't know that brother here, Nathan, maybe, and saying you can just play a part in the kingdom of God there's something special for you and me and I want to go to the book of Nehemiah 
And I'm going to put a stack of scriptures on the screens and just lead up and let's land at this place at the end of it where you say, I'm in, I'm in. I'm going to lift up my eyes. I'm in on this as well. Yeah. So if you've got a Bible, if not, we've got the convenience of screens. And um, I'm going to go to Nehemiah chapter 1. And to give you a little bit of context, um, he, got, he was a cupbearer to a king um, in captivity. And the city that his forefathers called home had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's now been in ruins for almost oh, just over 100 years. And um, it used to be like... Um, this wonder of the world, this place where the God of gods lived, and then finally someone was able to crack the code and defeat this guy, and it was Nebuchadnezzar. But God allowed his people to go into exile, but God was always calling his kids home. And Nebuchadnezzar, here's this report, and I'm going to pick it up from um, chapter 1 and verse 3. Nehemiah gets a report about his city. Oh, very cool. It says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And this is the response that I love from Nehemiah. And if you would open up your heart and lift up your eyes, I too believe if you would look at our world and see how broken it is, you know, I know there's... So many emergencies in the world right now. The greatest emergency isn't climate emergency or coronavirus emergency. The greatest emergency is the heart emergency that's happening in our world. That's the greatest emergency. And this is what happens. Nehemiah hears this emergency and this was his response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's response was, I'm broken. And if you would invite your life into a bit of God's brokenness for humanity, I believe that God's going to use you. And if you keep reading the verses, Nehemiah, he prays this beautiful prayer and it gets to the point where he has to stand before the king. And you can read in chapter 2, verse 1, this is what Nehemiah said. He said, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. I'm going to pause there for a moment because the king, a cupbearer's job, one was to just look after the king. But often they would taste the food first to make sure it wasn't poisoned. They would drink the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned because everyone wanted to be king. And let me tell you, if I was king of a really powerful nation, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want a sad cupbearer. <laughs> I want a cupbearer that delivers me that food happy. <laughs> I don't need sadness, especially from some exiled Jew. And so he's afraid because there's a good chance the king's going to say, off with your head. I'll get a new cupbearer, one that smiles. Remember the penguins in uh, Madagascar? Smile and weave. <laughs> and so Nehemiah is taking a brave step before this king. And he said, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, verse 3, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad 
When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? What an amazing question. What is it that you want? What is it that you want for the Hawkesbury? What is it want that you want for the mountains, for Penrith? And he prayed to the God of heaven. He's probably thinking, Lord, don't, I pray I'm just going to live the rest of this day. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servants found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. What an awesome response. Aren't you glad as the church, our response isn't, Lord, protect me from this evil world. The response that Nehemiah said was, send me into the brokenness so I can rebuild it. Now, I don't know if there's any in this church, but what really bugs me is when Christians keep talking about how evil the world is and they want to build bunkers and survive the apocalypse. And I'm thinking, no, we've got to get out of the bunker and actually get into the brokenness because your eternity's actually looked after. I'm just seeing if anyone leaves the church because that means you're a bunker builder. <laughs> Get out of the bunker. So Nehemiah gets this amazing response to go rebuild the city. And the king miraculously says, all right, I'm in. Because this king wants to be known as a good king. And he knows the fame that's attached to this God of Israel. And he gives him the money, gives him the supplies, gives him the army and says, all right, go back and have a look. And then I'm going to take you through some, some I guess, some interesting passages that normally when you read scripture you would maybe just flick the page because they look boring but Nehemiah goes to goes to Jerusalem he gets on a horse and he checks out the land and he finds out it's broken and in verse 17 it says I said to them so he's he's inspected it no one knows his plans he said to them you see the trouble we're in Jerusalem lies in ruins its gates have been burned with fire come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Let's actually do something. Let's not just commentate. Let's not just get on Facebook and comment about all our problems. Let's actually rebuild it. Let's do something. And so the people's response was, they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. And this next chapter is one of the most crazy chapters because there's so many beautiful gems of truth. And I'm going to tell you, every one of you would probably relate to some of the people I'm going to highlight in this chapter. Because one thing I've worked out about the God I serve, he uses ordinary people. <laughs> he doesn't just use the dream team. He doesn't just use people with the tightest jeans. And I notice this is a tight jeans church. <laughs> We're in Sydney, man. When you're from Darwin, man, it's thongs, it's bogans, it doesn't matter. But we're here in the Hawkesbury, right? Hey, it's my old hood, man. Agnes Banks. Anyone from Agnes? Anyone been to Hobartville? All right, there we go. The unicorn school. <laughs> Pegasus. All right. Some of you, I've wrecked it forever, haven't I? But check out this. So I'm going to go through some of these um, people that rebuilt the wall. And chapter 3, verse 1, this is the first person that Nehemiah notes here. Elishab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. These are priests. These are pastors, modern-day olden day pastors. They get the first mention, and they're the high priest. And I want to tell you something about Rick and Naomi, is they're not telling you to go do the work, they're actually doing it with you. 
and they're leading with you. And they're not saying, hey, do what we say, not what we do. They're saying, hey, follow us and watch what we do. And Nicole and I, my wife, had the privilege of sitting under that for many, many years and seeing them live for this. They dream it, they breathe it, it's everything to them to see the church become what it's meant to become. And that's why this church can make a difference is because you've got people leading. I've met some of your team and I can just smell it in the air. There's something that wants to happen in this room. There's people that want to make a genuine difference, not just on Sunday, but on Monday as well. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm sensing here. But you better thank God that you've got a high priest, a pastor that's leading and saying, I'm with you. I'm going to rebuild the wall and get my hands dirty. Yeah? In verse 2, check out this. It says, The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. You might go, what are you talking about? Because this is something really special. The men of Jericho, historically, you know who these are, don't you? This is the city where they walked around the city seven times and blew trumpets and, blew, and broke down the wall. And there was one family that survived. There was a prostitute and her family. Let me tell you, these are her descendants. They're known for, several centuries prior, their city was destroyed. And here they are getting a part in a plan in rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And I've got to tell you, this is special to me. I don't know about you, but I know what my life was like before Jesus. And now what I know my life is with Jesus. I'm so glad that God uses broken lives to rebuild lives. Now, for some of you that may have grown up in church and you think, this is terrible, I didn't get to live a cool life, let me tell you, you've got the best thing going for you. Trust me, man, I am sitting in my chair thinking, I'm so embarrassed about the supposedly cool decisions I made as a little wannabe pit town boy gangster. I'm telling you, because I thought I was in that, by the way, right? I'm thinking, I wish I never touched that stuff. I wish I'd never did that. But I do know this. God is, loves using people that once had broken lives like the Jerokites. And now here they are rebuilding the walls. Isn't that awesome? How good's our God? Mate, I love this. This is our God, man. He deals with Troy Davises in this world. And Rick Burrows with flipped peak hats. <laughs> Have you still got that hat, man? You should wear it this Sunday. Come on, hashtag wear the hat or something like that. <laughs> All right, here we go. This one's a nice one. It says, verse 3, the fish gate was re rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. Now, I learned a little secret when you read names in the Bible. Read them really fast because then people think you're really theologically trained. <laughs> and normally there's someone in every church that will come up to me and say, that's not how you pronounce that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I know, I just make it up. <laughs> But it says this, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. I just love that God's into letting the generations rebuild the walls. He doesn't just want the old skilled builders. He wants the sons, and you'll see in a moment, the daughters as well. And I don't know if you like this. I love seeing Solomon, uh, Judah up on stage, Jesse's doing youth, as far as I know, these kids just love this because it's not just Rick, it's Rick and his sons. And Charlie with hair going down to the floor. <laughs> I saw, I hadn't seen it until I got out of the car. I was like, wow, that is awesome. I love this. But you're going to see there's a passage for the daughters here in a moment. But do you know what? This Jesus game, this rebuild the walls, this lift up your eyes game is actually for the sons as well. This is for the generations. 
Have a look at verse 5. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. It sounds um, New Zealand, Tekoa, Tekoa, Tekoa. But listen to this. Their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under the supervisors. What a sad passage to have in Scripture. The men of Tekoa said, we're in. But the nobles said, no, this isn't for us. God forbid that we would be the too noble to rebuild the lives of this broken city. Let's not be those guys. Let's move on. That's a downer. You don't want to hang there. Verse 8. Uziel, remember, read them out fast. Son of Harachahah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, uh, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as blah, blah, blah. But check this out. I don't know if you thought about this. And some of you have just turned the page because you haven't read Nehemiah 3. Goldsmiths and perfume makers rebuilding walls. Now, it's a compliment, but it's also an insult. Um, I shake people's hands and often I hear these words, wow, you have soft hands. <laughs> what some people are saying is, wow, what moisturizer do you use? But when a, like when a girl says, they're soft, like, yeah, that's, that's very soft. When a guy says that, what they're saying is, you don't work. <laughs> you know when you shake some people's hands, it's like shaking like a crocodile. Like, it's just like, whoa, what do you do with your life, man? <laughs> but I don't know if you can picture this, but perfumers and goldsmiths are probably very skilled in, in their field, but they're not builders. They don't work with bricks and mortar. And sometimes so many people struggle with this notion that God couldn't use me because I'm not the right fit. What a load of dribble. Because the truth of the matter is, if God can use perfume makers and goldsmiths and priests to rebuild walls, he can use you. Yeah, now, anyone else got soft hands? Now, can I just say, like, I, I've got a bit of a germ phobia at times. So um, if you want to um, shake my hand at the end of the service to feel how soft they are, you've got to bring, like, disinfectant, all right? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do, we're going to have a, a soft hands line right here, okay? <laughs> but God is into using regular people like you and me. Isn't that good? Verse 20, ready? The daughters, I love this, Shalom. Son of Halahesh, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. You know, it's crazy. Even in 2020, sometimes there's crazy Christians that believe women are like second-rate citizens. Let me tell you, God wants the girls getting their hands involved as well. I've got two daughters, man. There's no way I'm telling Hannah and Chloe, sorry, biologically, you know, you guys just don't get... Now, that's, that's getting thrown out the window in today's narrative as well. But, sorry, that's just Isaac. Only Isaac's going to get a part to play. No, you girls have a part to play. You girls, you women, daughters, God wants to use you. I can picture those girls thinking, I'm not just going to let all the men fix this wall. I'm in too. I'm going to lift up my eyes. There's gaps to be filled. I'm in. I'm joining in on this. It's all in. Lift up your eyes and see this wall needs women working in it as well. If it can use perfume makers and goldsmiths, it certainly could use a bunch of women getting into this as well. Yep. All right. Um, and just, oh, you know, when you fold your Bible, it's like, man, just right there. Uh, verse 17 says, Next to him, 
Repairs were made by the Levites. Again, these were people that worked in God's temple. They're not builders. They're not carpenters. I don't like if you've ever bought like something from IKEA. We normally pay someone to rebuild it for us. We say, "How much would you charge?" <laughs> because we're not going to waste our time. These are Levites, man. They're not. They don't build walls. Okay. Uh, verse twenty-two says repairs were next made by the priests. Um, Next to them, if you just keep reading, I'm going to not go through them all, but it talks about how they repaired in front of their house, they repaired in front of their house, and I don't know if you live in Australia, which I think you all do, but we all live in a house, and we've all got neighbours. Some of us have neighbours that are closer, and others, they might be an acre away, but let me tell you, God has a place for you in your neighbourhood. I love that narrative that I'm hearing, get strong nation in your community, because God needs to do rebuilding, but he needs builders and people that will say, I'm in. I'm actually in. I want to be in. If God can use those people, he can use you and me. Here's the miracle. Like, I don't know, I've been in Penrith several years now, and it just seems like there's things called roadworks. And every year I go there, it just seems like they move forward a few metres every year. And I'm like, what do they get paid to do? Uh, If you live in Darwin, like, they all get paid to sort of stand and nod and just look at each other. And then by the time they finish it, they've got to upgrade it again. It's a big scam. But this miracle, when Nehemiah rounded up these regular wannabe builders, girls and boys, sons and daughters, when he got them rallied together, and this is the power of when we get together, and the power when we're all in this together, it says that they built this wall... In chapter 6, verse 15, it says the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, we're talking maybe about three kilometers of wall. Some of that wall is still standing today. It was strong enough to last now over two and a half thousand years. And it's funny because the enemy, and I'm going to take a five minute diversion onto them in a moment. The enemy ridiculed it and said, look at this wall. It's so flimsy that even if a fox climbed on it, it would collapse. And yet a bunch of throw together like renovators and builders that didn't know what they were doing like the people on the block came together and built a wall that two and a half thousand years later some of those components are still standing and here's the generational thing you know what when you start worshiping Jesus allow him to change your life and put your hand up it has generational effects Some of you are here because of your mum and dad. Some of you are here because of your grandma and granddad. Some of you are here because of a total stranger. Some of you might be here because someone played cricket in your street. But I tell you what, when you go forth and put up your hand to say, I'm in, I want to rebuild these walls, it has generational effect. I'm here, strangely enough, because some random stranger South American guy came up to my dad and said, can I tell you about Jesus? And my dad was at a very broken part of his point in his life, and he accepted Jesus that day. I wonder if that guy know now, now knows that his, that guy that he shared Jesus to, his son and, other, and my brother loved Jesus. There's nine kids. 
that love Jesus. I wonder if he knows that there's a church in Darwin because that guy stepped out and said, I'm going to give it a go. I'm not a qualified builder. I'm just a guy that works with perfume. And I'm going to put my hand up and say, God, if you can use me, maybe something crazy is going to happen through generations. How good's our God? Now, let me just take a quick diversion because all through this little passage, it all seems too easy. I've got these little highlights in green. Because you're going to hear these guys' names a lot. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Because any time you put up your hand to do something for God, the devil's out in his little minions going, we've got to stop that. We've got to actually try to stop that happening. So it says in chapter 2, verse um, 10, when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, they heard about this, that they heard there was a plan to rebuild the city and in our context today, rebuild the lives of people. It says they were very much disturbed. Really key word. They're just disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. In verse 19, this is when the people have now agreed that we are going to rebuild the wall. In verse 19 of chapter 2, it says, When Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What's this that you're doing? They're disturbed. The enemy will get disturbed at you. He'll mock you. He'll ridicule you. Check out this. In chapter 4, the wall's now half high, and they're starting to get a bit worried. It says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, they became angry and greatly incensed, and they started to ridicule us. I don't know if you've seen a bit of progression here. But the more you do for the kingdom of God, the more you start working for God, let me tell you, the enemy's going to get angry. He's not going to sit down and go, oh, snap. Man, these kids, these youth, and I'm seeing heaps of them, and I love that because this is the next generation of the church right here, right? And if you're a little bit older, well done because they're in church. So awesome. But let me tell you, the enemy's not just going, oh, man, Strong Nation Church wants to make an impact in their community. All right, well, let's go let them do that. He's going, to get, he's going to mock you. He's going to ridicule. He's going to try to get angry at you. Check out in chapter 4, verse 3. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, he, this is he said, what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. And that, like I said, I gave you some history. Part of that wall is still standing today. And so they start rebuilding. It says specifically that gaps were being filled in that wall. And I don't know about you, but there's a gap in our community that you can fill. Not just on Sunday, and I love it. I love the team. I love just everyone's friendly. I had a beautiful beetroot salad. Uh, that was just to impress you guys, by the way. Normally I'd get like a burger, but I thought I'm a guest. I've got to look like I'm really civilized and I'll get a salad. <laughs> Which was really nice, by the way. But let me tell you, I've loved what's happening here, but I'm just as interested in what's going to happen tomorrow. When you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to footy, when you go to cricket, one of the worst sports you could ever play. But <laughs> yeah, I've got a few hallelujahs. I want to prophesy over this young man. You are going to change the world, brother. <laughs> let me tell you, this world is desperate for some young people and older people saying, I'm in. I'm going to lift up my eyes. I'm in. Check this. And so they rebuilt halfway in, in chapter 4, verse um, 7. It says they heard that repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead. 
gaps were being closed. They were now very angry. Verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight. Just so you know, the enemy has a plan to stop the work of God moving through the earth. Now, we know how it ends because the Bible says the gates of hell won't prevail, which is fantastic. We're on the winning team. I love how we know how it ends, but we're just going to play the game while we're here. But let me tell you, the enemy's going to get angry. So if you're brave enough to say, because I want to ask for a response in a moment as I bring this to a close. If you're willing to say, I'm in. Maybe, maybe you think you got soft hands. God couldn't use you. He can Maybe you think, oh, you don't know my history. You don't know how bad I used to be. Well, just like the men of Jericho, God's saying, I can use you to rebuild now. I can use you. Every one of you in this room, if you're willing to be brave enough to say, man, I'm going to lift up my eyes, I'm in, just be aware. The devil's not going to sit back and cheer you on. He's actually going to get a bit, he's going to mock you and say, as if if you're going to get used by God. As if. Hobartville, unicorn. As if God could use you. Just a little punk kid. As if God could use you. You've failed at this, or you lost this, or you've got an addiction to this, or you're broken in this. He's going to mock you. He's going to ridicule you. But once you start getting active, he's going to get angry, and eventually he's going to declare war. But here's the good news for us that know this. When you're on Team Jesus, we're in good hands. We're in safe hands. When you try to do it on your own, don't. Because the devil is a formidable foe. But when we've got Jesus on our team, then we're sweet. We're good. Doesn't mean life's going to be cozy and easy, but it just means we know we're on the right team. So I might just invite um, some sort of keyboard, guitar, um, team. (laughs) Poor Solomon. He's, pick me. (laughs) Bass guitar. What about you? I don't know your story. I don't know you. I know, I know Rick. I, I know Pastor Rick. I know Pastor Naomi's story. I don't know your story, but I do sense that God's saying, if you would just be willing to say, I'm in, he'll do something special with your life. And it might not ever, you might never hold a microphone. You may never be the upfront, but here's the cool thing. God loves using introverts and extroverts. All the introverts are thinking, Yes! God wants to use you in your school. Who goes to Windsor High here? Man, I used to go to Windsor High. What a unique place. I don't know if it's still the same, but across the road from a sewage plant and a dog pound. (laughs) Depending on the wind, all you heard in the classroom was the smell of the sewage and dogs barking. And if you're like me, there's got AD something. Man, I was so distracted. I'd just be listening out for the dogs all day. There's a dog. <laughs> Is that still there? Is the pound still there? Yeah. Now these poor kids are going to try to go to school tomorrow and just hear dogs. But, mate, I'm telling you, if you would just be willing to say, I'm in, God wants to do something special with your life. Why don't we stand to our feet, eh? I'm going to pray. I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Rick in a moment. Why don't you just close your eyes with me? Get in your own space. There might be someone a few inches away from you, but why don't you just zoom in on God right now and maybe have a little conversation with Him. Maybe you're wrestling with insecurities or struggles. I can assure you God's in the grandstands of heaven saying, I'd love to use you. I'd love to do something special with your life. I didn't make you ordinary. I didn't make you just to be a spectator. I made you to be a participator. 
I made you to have a, 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 a position and a plan. With eyes closed, maybe you could indicate to me if you're saying, yeah, I'm in. I want, I've got a prayer in my lips saying, Lord, I'm in. If that's you, would you just lift your hand with me? I want to lead you in a prayer. You're saying, I'm in. I'm not becoming a Christian. I'm just saying, I'm in. I want God to use me in my world. Why don't you lift it up really high, real brave? It's what they do at the cricket. It's what they do at footy. That's what they do at concerts. Let's do it at church. Let's just be brave and bold and say, I'm in. So Jesus, you see. You see all these hands. And Lord, thanks for those that are already are saying, I'm already in. Maybe it's just a fresh declaration. I just pray, Lord, as they say they're in, that God, you do something beautiful with their lives. Lord, they would just be willing to do things that are out of their comfort zone, out of their skill set. And God, they would play a beautiful part in seeing lives that are broken made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. The last thing I want to say is, I don't know everyone here. I don't, I, I, you know, maybe you're here and I haven't spoke that much about Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've heard heaps from your friend, the person that brought you. Can I just tell you something? You need to hear this. If you would be willing to open up your life to him and say, Jesus, could you start rebuilding my life? Here's the beautiful thing. He wants to. He wants to come into your life. I'm going to leave you with that thought but also an invitation that if you want him in your life, this is how easy it is. You just say, Jesus, I need you. My life's a mess. Man, it's full of sin, the Bible says. It's walking away from God's ways. It's not walking to him. And if you just open up your heart and say, Jesus, I'd like you to come and start again in my life. Let me tell you, you might, you might in 20 years' time stand on a stage and say, I never knew that a kid like me could find Jesus, but you did. So if you're thinking that's you, Maybe you've got to talk to the person that you brought that came with you. Maybe it's mum and dad. Maybe you were once in here and you've walked away. Well, maybe you just need to say, hey, Jesus, do you want to come back into my life? Because I'm telling you, he wants to. He wants to be in your life. He wants, he loves you. He thinks about you. You make him proud. He loves you. He created you. He formed you. He made you marvelous, the Bible says. He wants to be in your life. Amen. And if you're thinking, what's the word amen mean? It's just like fist pump. Woo, boom. That's what it means. Okay, maybe we should just start doing that now. Boom. Okay, Pastor Rick, it's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much. So next time you're just casually driving past Darwin somewhere, just drop into Troy's house. Just on your way to somewhere.